unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. John chapter 21, verses 18. We're going to read from 18 to 23. If you're there, you say amen. The Bible says, Verily I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou goddest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands and another shall guard thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. The Bible says this he spake signifying by what death he should glorify God. Who? Peter. And when he had spoken this, this was Jesus speaking to Peter, he said unto him, follow me. Are you, are you seeing the story? The story is that God starts to speak about the life of Peter. Okay? Now do I understand the fall away? Here. You see, Jesus comes to Peter and tells him, I see the devil save you like wheat. Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may save you as wheat. But he told him, but when thou art restored, thou shall what? Restore your own brethren. Or strengthen thine brethren. Meaning that his brethren were going to fall also. That wasn't a secret. Okay? Now I realize the prophecy that is given in John 21. Of how he sees a place where one time when he was young he used to gaddle himself, you know, belt himself up and go wherever he wanted. But he told him, but when you grow old, another guy is going to come and gaddle you and take you where you would have not wanted. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now as part of the maturity which ought to be in Peter, I know that every person has a place of maturity where you, do, you stop to live for yourself, you stop to Gaddle yourself up. You stop going wherever you want to a place where you go where you're supposed to go. Are you hearing me? But then sometimes I look through the life of Peter and I realize that his goings had an error. Why? Because the Bible is very clear that when Peter, John, and James, which were pillars of the gospel, when they saw the grace of God which was bestowed unto me and Barnabas, okay, to the uncircumcised as it was to them, to the circumcised, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. In other words, the anointing on Peter was for circumcised men, not uncircumcised men. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? But you see, the message which was at Jerusalem was too hard for Peter to maintain because remember, when Paul is separated from the Arabian experiences, the Bible says he conferred in no man except Peter and James' brother. He explained to them what the Lord had revealed to him in Arabia, which was contrary, 100% contrary to the Judistic teaching and the Hellenistic teaching which was at Jerusalem. 
Are you with me? Now the scriptures are clear that by that understanding, we see a place where Peter fights battles for Paul and Barnabas because they are being persecuted by the brethren at Jerusalem because they are preaching a salvation without circumcision. Yet the Jews that came from Judea all preached in Jerusalem, all preached a salvation amidst circumcision. Are you with me? But you see, when Peter stands before the council in Jerusalem, when he speaks for Paul, everybody listens. But when Paul speaks, nobody listens. Because Peter has a grace to the circumcised. Sadly, Peter died in Rome. He died among us, the uncircumcised. In other words, there was something in the ministry of Peter that frustrated his efforts in Jerusalem. And probably he could not hold on to where God had called him and then he shifted to a place where God had not told him to go. Why? Because it seems the Gentiles were more receptive to the message than the Jews were. Are you hearing me? So the scriptures tell us that Peter, Jesus looks at Peter and prophesies in his life. Are you with me? And he tells him another guy will hold you and take you places you never want to go. It's a prophecy. And Peter realizes, oh, this God has spoken concerning the kind of death that Peter should glorify the Lord. Are you with me? Now the next line says, listen, the next line says, Then Peter turning about, see the disciples whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on the breast at, at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrays thee? He's talking about John because he's the one who leans on the breast of Jesus and asks him, who is going to betray he at the time when Jesus speaks of the betrayal, okay? Now the next verse, when Peter looks at that guy, he says, Peter seeing him say to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Are you hearing me? What shall this man do? I've known my story. What's this guy's story? Are you seeing where I'm coming from? Jesus said unto him, If I will tarry, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? They tell Peter his end, and after telling him his end, he looks at John and then he's curious to know John's end. <laughs> then he says, Man, I'm, I know I'm going to die that way. What about John? And then Jesus tells him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Now look at carnal people. The next line says, then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? He's asking, uh -huh, what's John's business? He says, is it any of your business? Suppose I want him to live longer. Now a rumor leaves that group and the whole group goes saying, my disciples are not going to die. The disciples are not, go the disciples, they're not going to die. Do you understand? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, ultimately, probably I want to begin with that. Eh? When the Lord Jesus asks, Peter, what is that to thee? In this walk with Christ, I have come to the realization that there are certain things that are not important to us in the place of inquiry. I don't know that you understand what I mean. 
There are certain things in God which are not important to ask. And there are certain things I assure you will never know. Not because we cannot know, but because what are they to us? What are they to us? If we want to dig out such matters, we can dig out such matters. Why? Because you see, the Bible says that he has anointed us and now we've been made kings and priests unto the Mosai God. The men he's talking to are not yet born again. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let me explain it this way. When you are dealing with, with a new creation, okay, it is very easy for God to work with you to reveal everything that you must want to see. But you see, there is a place where God wants to push us to a certain situation where he wants to make all clear to you that even though you think that that is important for you to have this ABCD, but to him it's not anything to you. There are certain things that are not useful. That's why Paul says in Corinthians 10.33, he says that for all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. Are you hearing me? He says that all things are lawful to me. 1 Corinthians 10.23 but not all things are expedient. All these things I have an idea and mind and the grace to access. But what is expedient? Because sometimes we end up chasing the things that are not important and then we leave what is important. Are you with me? You see, salvation, okay, the life that we carry in Jesus Christ, eh? the life that we carry in Jesus Christ is, is very short in the body. Some of you are going to live about 80. Some of you are going to live about 70. I don't expect anybody in Fanero to die below 70. If you want, you die. But I don't expect. It's not my expectation. Okay? Some of you are going to live at 70. Some of you are going to live at 80. Some of you are going to live 100. Some of you are 120. You understand? But even if you're to have 100 years in the world, there's still not enough for the life that we carry in Christ. Because this life is the life which is of God. There will always be a lot for each one of us to do. Are you with me? And as you grow old as well, there are certain things you won't be able to do. Not because you don't want to, but because probably you don't have time to. Or because you're too old just to do them. Are you with me? There are people right now who can do many things because they are free. When you get married, issues change. When you have children, issues change. Are you hearing me? When you start a ministry, issues change. You get responsibilities. You get where I'm coming from? But you see, the life that we carry in God is too short for us to invest without a certain wisdom. And therein is the wisdom. That there are certain things that we might inquire of the Lord out of curiosity, but they are not expedient for the life of the Christian. What is it to you to know how John will die? Peter. You follow me. Jesus, it's not that he's refusing to tell Peter, but he's realizing that there's also a wastage of kingdom time in trying to appeal to things that are not beneficial. So yes, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. Paul used the same thing as of when he was quoting the Corinthians in the time when the church at Corinth so that they would live a, a funny life and be crazy and, and be perverse because they are under a certain grace. And also he speaks to the place where men used to use meat as a commendation. Where certain people got so boastful in the grace of God 
that they knew, ah, we know that idols are nothing in this world. If there be, be, the Bible tells us there is only one God. And the Bible says, by whom are all things, and Jesus Christ through whom are all things. And he says, but how be it that this knowledge is not in all men? For some with a conscience of the idol up to this hour, eat as them eating unto the idol. And their conscience being weak, they are defiled. So a certain man realizes, oh, what defiles me is the weakness of my conscience. If I can strengthen it, I can sit at meat with with them which are eating for the idol. And I now won't be contaminated. Are you hearing me? You see, when Paul is speaking about the place where we ought to know that all things are lawful to us, but not all are expedient, he's talking about liberties in Christianity. Liberties in Christianity. The place where we carry a certain freedom to do. Not that indifference that the church at Corinth had. To think that because they are under grace, they can do anything. Okay? But you see, he comes back to the place of meats. And then he defines the place where they know that you're not supposed to be eating on a certain altar. Because that altar is entirely dedicated to idol worship. But there is a guy who is too deep and too anointed that that altar won't, won't defile him. And therefore, what does he do? He wants to come and give a show off of eating on that altar... Are you hearing me? Such that everyone knows that it doesn't matter how much I eat on that altar, I will not be defiled. And Paul looks at that and finds no wisdom in that. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. It is stupid for you to do something because you know you have the anointing to do it. One time I was watching a video live and there was this guy praying for a woman. Okay, And you know, when, you, when a man is studying the miraculous, for example, and you come from Sunesis, the critical faculty... That presents the spirit of truth in your life to deal with an affair or a situation. When you learn the place of, of sunesis, that critical faculty, and God starts to deal with you, you realize that there are many things that you can do by phronesis, which is the wisdom of God that determines the mode of action because you have beheld the end in sight. For example, Jesus can know that this guy is going to be healed and then he spits on the ground, makes spit him out of it, puts it on the guy's eyes and the guy sees. Are you hearing me? But if Jesus refused to get that kind of soil and then he got water and poured it on the face, that man would still be healed. Why? Because the end line was beheld as of the healing of God. Are you hearing me? Now when a man is functioning in that realm of sunesis, some people out of that liberty can misuse it. For example, I was watching a guy who was praying for a woman with a stomach problem and then he stepped on her stomach and pushed it. And she will get healed because he has furnaces. He can behold the end inside. But it is too stupid to step on somebody because you carry an anointing that heals. I saw some guys walking on people. You understand? But we also heal. We don't walk on people. The end of that is you realize that there is another spirit that is at work. And that spirit is the spirit that is seeking a boastfulness of a man who can play in the zones of the idols and still not be defiled. You see, let me tell you something. One of the greatest cardinal gifts that God gave each one of us through the ultimate gift of the Holy Spirit was the place where he anointed our countenances. And the place that anoints our countenances Gave us a certain right in the spiritual to learn how to minister beyond the facets of our physical ability. That is why it is easy for us to explain certain things, but it's harder to explain certain other things because 
we are living in a one or two dimensional world. For example, Pilate wanted to crucify Jesus. The Jews accused Pilate. At night, Jesus came in the spirit to the wife of Pilate and troubled her. After troubling her, the next day the wife of Pilate tells Jesus, tells Pilate, let that man free for he troubled me the whole night. Now under that portion of scripture, do we realize that Jesus had the ability to walk in the spirit realm and deliver a message to a wife of the man who wanted to crucify him. But when you carry that grace to walk in the spirit, you ought to have a certain wisdom, lest you use that liberty for vice and abuse it. And instead of establishing a certain testimony before men, you incline to a certain personal pursuit. Are you hearing me? A personal lust. Something that is after your own personal interest. And before you know it, therein that liberty is abused and you stumble, the Bible says, the very brother that Jesus Christ died for. That's why God should and cannot and will not allow certain people to access certain graces because they are not mature to sustain the necessity of purpose. Are you with me? Am I making some sense? Hallelujah. So, for example... About four or five years ago, God gave me that grace. Now, the reason why I hate sharing my experiences is because I told you, sometimes I don't want people to use them as a standard of the gospel. And I also don't want to put a certain place where what I, I present before men entirely as the experiences I carry in Christ are the standard. Are you hearing me? I want to present the word standard because I know if you give this kind of message to a babe or somebody who is not yet matured, they might do the wrong thing and think that they are also imitating. Because when Paul says, imitate me even as I imitate Christ, sometimes people think that it is as straight as he is, but then when you check in the middle ground of reconciliation, you realize that imitations are after how much men are exposed by the spirit of truth. You cannot imitate what is not established in you as truth. Otherwise, you will create a certain kind of life which looks like It's trying to imitate, but it looks like it's trying to force a life that you don't carry. And therein is true deception. So that's why some of you will come in your visions at night and warn you over things. Have you seen seen me there? Put up your hand. You put up straight. Uh We come sometimes and talk to you about it. For example, there's a certain impartation I was supposed to give somebody this morning. And then the Lord told me, type them a good morning message. So I type it, good morning. And then I say, and And then the person opens the message, and then the power of God hits them, and then they get slain and start laughing. And so, of course, if you are dealing with someone who is not mature, they'll say, man, I want that, but what do you want it? Why do you want it? Are you hearing me? This was a divine instruction to create a certain impartation in somebody who the Lord found suitable to carry that impartation. But it's important that at that particular point, when that impartation comes, I ought to have the means. Because I will not preach to every man. For some men, like Paul says, I will transfer those things in a figure. But when he gets to Apollos, he says, and to Apollos, I have in a figure transferred these things, which I preach to you. That means that we are multi-gifted. There are diversities of gifts, diversities of operations, 
diversities of administration, but the same spirit. It doesn't mean that we'll always have to lay hands on you for you to be healed. It doesn't mean that we'll always have to call you and speak certain words upon you for you to know that the Lord spoke to us. But we must have the ability to minister in many ways. Do you know the Lord even told me how to minister to people who are in danger? How many of you have heard my voice when you're in danger and you heard it speak to you? Put up your hand. Exactly. There are some you're carried in the spirit and you see that they're going to make a mistake and then you, you, you have to speak a tongue. And when you speak a tongue, that tongue is translated to the life of that person as, don't do it! And they say, apostle, you called me, did you say God? <laughs> Are you hearing me? But you see, it's all by reason of yielding to the spirit of God. This is not for one man of God. This is for every child of God as long as you are allowed to yield entirely to the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So, even in those matters, now that I carry such an access, I could use it to abuse the life of a person. I could use it in that very spirit of liberty to create vice because I have access to certain people's spirits and I can communicate. Now, what if I wanted to do something to them that is not godly? I would still use the same means. But you see, it has to take a certain mind in God to know that by the time you get there, God should have dealt with you a certain way. Are you hearing me? You see, many Christians forget that we're going to be judged only by that law, the law that sets us free. The law of liberty is the very law by which we are judged. The things that are exposed to our spirits and are revealed to us as freedom for us to do are the very things that are going to put us on the pedestal of judgment. Why? Because we know how. So, if you know how, what are you going to do with what you know how to do? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Am I making sense? So, then when you start to learn to look into the life of what is expedient and what is just lawful, you realize that we have access to many things in the spirit realm. That is why the Bible says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. But the challenge is that these blessings wherewith we have been blessed are in the spiritual heavenly places. Heavenly places. And therefore we need to get the average Christian to stop living. Let me tell you. I have come to the realization that the hugest percentage of Christians and definitions of Christianity, all, in fact, the hugest percentage I know, is all a line of carnal men. And many, many, sadly, it's their minds about Jesus Christ, preached as the doctrine of Jesus Christ, and arrayed in the minds of many as the truth about Jesus. Sometimes it's just human ideas before the congregation that we sometimes present, men of God sometimes, some ministers present, and sometimes those are things we want to create as truth. And then you ask yourself the ultimate question. If it is truth, why isn't it setting me free? Because every truth ought to set me free. Now, I'm not talking of the freedom of walking without a demon. No, I'm talking of the freedom of walking in the spirit. The challenge with the church is that we are so demon-centered so, so demon and sin-centered that everything that we think is trouble between us and God and the warfare we carry will always be sin, demon, sin, demon. And, and that is why when you come into the dispensation of the New Testament, there are many things that are going to shock you. He gets in the old and tells men, come now, let us reason together. What is the ultimate reasoning? Sin. For though even though your sins are as red as crimson, but then shall I wash them as white as snow. And now he gets a new creature 
And he tells them, blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputeth not sin. That means if there is no imputation of sin, our communication is no longer sin. It's not about sin. Back in the day, every time he brings guys, whether it's a high priest representing Israel, whether it's what? The sin. The sin. The, the issue for them then to discuss was the issue of sin. And up to today on our pulpits, men discuss sin. They love discussing sin. You understand? That is why I love Paul. When Paul gets to that knowledge, he says, when I was a you, I sought to know nothing. save Christ dead and resurrected. Period. Christ, him, crucified and resurrected. That's all. That's his business. Are you hearing me? But you see, when you're dealing with a man of old, it's always about sin, 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 sin. Why? Because they are under the law. But the Bible says in Romans that sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And because sin doesn't have dominion over you, it's not a factor with God when he's dealing with a new creation. Because he knows it has no power over you. Now then he used to reason with men regarding their sin, washing them as white as as snow. Now when we come to the place of reasoning with God together, we're reasoning life. We're reasoning ministry. We're reasoning glory. We're reasoning about the church. We're reasoning about increase. We're reasoning about my application. We're reasoning about understanding. The manifold wisdoms of God. The apprehension of, of why he apprehended us. You understand? The seeking to know him because it's eternal life. The one true God and his only son, Jesus Christ. The consecrations, the separations, the sanctification and to obedience. The apostleship to the obedience of all nations. The head and not the tail. The illumination of our eyes. That we might know what was the hope of the glorious riches of inheritance of the saints. The exceeding greatness of power which is at work within him. That exceeding greatness of love. The width, the breadth, the height. That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now our communication changes. That is why when Paul saw that conversation, he says in Corinthians, For our conversations are in heaven. From whence we look. We don't don't have conversation from the earthly plane anymore. No. Our conversations are in the heavenly places. He says, for our conversation, Philippians 3.20, are in heaven. From whence also we look. We no longer look from the earthly. Somebody said on the mountain. We're no longer on the mountain. We left the mountain long ago. We're seated in the heavenly places. Far above all principalities and powers. That means that the child of God does not look at the earth in a flat dimension. Does not look at the, at the earth in a lower dimension. Looks at the earth in an upward dimension. Now, if my ministration and conversation is from above. How can I spend a whole overnight casting out devils? The Bible says you are seated with Christ far above all principalities and powers and dominions of this world. You are way, way, way above the demonians. And then we preach to you the gospel that puts you down with them. Are you hearing me? And then you start, you spirit that refuses me to get a job. I rebuke you. You spirit that stands in my way. To... <laughs> then the man of God beholds you from above and he says, <laughs> ye of little faith. Listen, you are above all you are above all. The Bible says that he that is of the earth is, of, is from the earth. But he that is, of, is, 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 is from heaven is the Lord from above. He's the Lord. You come with a spirit of lordship over everything that is in your life. But you see, up to now we are still telling the church, demons are not your story. 
Jesus is your story. So how can we leave the place of lawful to expedient? If we are still dealing with people who are asking God questions. God, what is wrong with me? What, what is wrong with you? Seriously, what is wrong with you? The communication of your faith can only have a certain effect in your life when you learn to acknowledge every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ. Because that is your spiritual war. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Don't talk about your issues. Lay hold of eternal's away. The Bible says, for which you have been called. We were called to lay hold of the life which is in God. But people have refused the life which is in God. They're still demon, 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 poverty, demon, 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 demon. Are you hearing me? Tell your neighbor I'm above that. Tell him I'm above that. In the name of Jesus. Tell them I'm above that. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Liberty. Tell you about liberty. Now, let me leave that place and then go deeper here. Can I? And then I realized that we never understood the expedient things. The feast comes. Mary invites Jesus. Luke 10. And then when she invites him for a meal, the Bible says she goes in the, in the house. To what? To cook. And then she comes and says, Master, aren't you disturbed that this woman, Mary, is seated at your feet? Yet I am cooking for you because it was a feast, I think, of Purim. They were cooking. It was a feast of cooking for rabbis. If you're a man of God during that time, they cook for you. Are you hearing me? So Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she come and what? Help me. Next verse. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, twice. And when God, Jesus calls you twice, you know there's a problem. <laughs> Martha, Martha. For the first time, we see Jesus calling a man troubled. Thou art careful and troubled about. And what does the next verse say? One thing is what? Expedient. And Mary has what? Which shall not be taken away from her. But you see, what did Mary choose? Let's go back to the portion of scripture exactly where they were at. 39. It says, and she had a sister called. Who was that? Martha. Which also sat at Jesus' feet and had, and had, and had. Now here was the shocker. The Spirit of the Lord tells me, check out what's there. And I check it out and I'm shocked that Mary received logos. The word there is not Rema. It's logos. And therein now am I going to slap the strongest commentators I know in this world. For many years I read that Logos is the written word of God and Rema is the spoken word of God. But I've realized that actually Logos is not the written word of God and Rema the spoken word of God. Otherwise, Jesus speaking to Mary and Mary receiving Logos, he didn't give her a writing. That wasn't a writing. 
Are you with me? So now I realized Logos is not just a written word of God. It could be partly there, but it's not the written word of God. Because right there at the feet of the master, Mary received Logos and he didn't give her a pamphlet to read. He spoke what men define as written. He gave her what? Logos. Are you hearing me? And the Bible says, and this woman has done well, she has sat at the feet. For only one thing was needful, that she receives. And he says, and this shall not be taken away from her. From that day, Logos entered her spirit. She kept Logos. In John 11, the scriptures open out when Lazarus was what? How many of you know that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were relatives? The scriptures tell us that Jesus, they tell him your friend Lazarus is. And Jesus says that the sickness of Lazarus shall not end in death. But Lazarus dies. They bury him. The Bible says when Jesus finished his ministry, he came to them. He comes to them and what? And he hears that Lazarus is dead. So he goes there after finishing his ministry. He delayed by four days. The Bible says that the first person to come to reach out to him was Martha. If you recall the beginning of the story, when they meet at first in Luke 10, the person who even invited was again Martha. Mary never invited. You understand? But she got the thing. Martha cooked, but Mary got the thing. Now again, in this instance, the Bible says when Jesus was coming, Martha was the first one to come when she had Jesus. Are you hearing me? And then the Bible says, when she met him, she fell down crying and said, if you were here, my brother would not have. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. But the next line says, she says to him and says, but I know. The Bible says, Martha said unto Jesus, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. Okay? Next verse. The next verse says, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou will ask of God, God will give it to thee. That was the mistake. And Jesus chooses to live and work with Martha on that level. And then he says, uh-uh, your brother shall what? What does the next verse say? Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Next verse. Martha said unto him, I know, look at that. That he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now we realize she's not even talking about having faith in him to raise Lazarus. We're talking about the faith she has. That at least there is hope that on the last day he shall be risen. Next verse. And Jesus said unto her, woman, I am the resurrection. Don't, don't put resurrection on days. No, God is not looking at the day you're going to resurrect. You are the resurrection. You are the life. And this is love made perfect. That you might have confidence on that day. For as he is, so are you in this world. Resurrection confidence. <laughs> anyway. And the life, the Bible says... And he, he that believeth in me, it means she's an unbeliever. Though he were dead, yet shall he what? 
leave. Uh-huh. And whatsoever, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Are you hearing me? Believest thou this? Do you believe this? Uh-huh. Next verse. She said unto him, Yeah, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ. You see where she's going. The Son of God, which should come into the world. You see what she, she's telling him. This is what I believe. I don't believe in the whole nonsense of you raising the dead. Now listen, next, next verse. The next verse said, and when she had said, she went away and called Mary, listen, her sister. And when she called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, the master calleth for thee. I don't know whether you understand this business. God is dealing with Martha directly, but he's saying, where is Mary? Where is Mary? Where is Apostle Grace? Put your name. Where is, where is Mary? He's not asking where Lazarus is, no. Where is? Because I deposited something inside her. Logos. I deposited something inside her. When she makes a certain confession, I will move. You don't get it. Next verse. Next verse. Next verse. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Are you hearing me? Now, this is the amazing thing. Now, Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Uh-huh. Then the Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she had rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, she goeth unto the grave to weep. Okay? Next verse says, and when Mary, listen, had come, listen, listen to this, listen to this. When Mary had come where Jesus was and saw him, she spoke the same words. She fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. Same word, same word. What does the last line say? When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was what? Troubled. Are you hearing me? And what does the next verse say? And said, where have you laid him? Let me explain. Let me explain. Let's go back to 32. Let me explain. The first one was one without logos. Therefore, it would not, it would appear like it is true, but it's not rema. The second one was with one with logos, speaking rema, the now word. And what was the now word? The now word was the confirmation of the truth Christ spake. Christ said that Lazarus' sickness shall not end in death. Listen to what Mary said. You listen to the words. When Mary was come where Jesus was, listen to the word, and saw him, she fell at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou had been here, comma, my brother had not died. Do you understand? I wish you were here. My brother had not died. Lazarus' sickness shall not end in if you are here. I wish you were here to prove to them or to explain. But I'm crying with these imbeciles who don't believe. My brother hasn't yet died. Jesus said, Makatakaya Baba, at the testimony of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Where have you laid him? The anointing to raise the man came. Martha began well. But realized she wasn't speaking from Logos. Because if she was speaking to, from Logos, 
There is something that would have held her mouth after that. Not to confess other things. But we realize that she was indifferent and strange to proper. Then another woman walks on the same way. Says the same words. And moves God. We all go to pray. And we are all praying the same prayers. And then you pray for 20 hours. And nothing happens. Then one guy comes out. Says the exact words you've said. And moves God. Expedient. Then I realized. Mary got Logos. Logos. Is the word of God in its own entirety. Not just written. The word of God in its own entirety. From whence now. Rema. Is released. Mary knew this guy was going to raise him up. Mary knew that Lazarus wasn't dead. She knew it. There is something she received that she knew that guy. Now you might, that's why people can confuse because you pray the same prayers. And they think that because you're making the same prayers, you carry the same thing inside. <laughs> and now John spoils it. He says, in the beginning was Logos. And Logos was with God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And Logos was God. And he was the life. He was that life. He's that light that shines in darkness. And darkness comprehends him not. And that Logos became flesh. He dwelt among men. We beheld his only glory as the only true son of God, full of grace and truth. And that is Jesus. And as many as accepted them, the Bible says he gave them the right to become logoses of God. And because they carry the logos which is of God, listen, we don't just say we say with the power. We don't just pronounce. We pronounce with the power. We don't just build. We build with the power. We don't just sing. We sing with the power. We don't just prophesy. We prophesy with the power. We don't just worship. We worship with the power. We don't just encourage. We encourage with the power. We don't just exhort. We exhort with the power. We don't just rebuke. We rebuke with the power. We don't just strengthen. We strengthen with the power. We're not, not with this one. We don't do this thing alone. We carry logos. We carry logos. We carry logos. What Mary received is automatically inside you. By faith. That Christ may dwell in you richly by faith. When that faith is inside you, even if you speak a word of unbelief, Logos is too established that it will change. For even though we're not faithful, the law he abides faithful. For he cannot deny himself. I mean, Abraham gets to a point and then they tell him, you're going to have a child. He says, ah, ha, 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 ha. And then because of what is inside him, because his faith, Paul refuses that testimony. He said, Abraham, 
staggered not, didn't he? He, stagg- he staggered not at the promise. He, he staggered not at the promise. He did not consider the deadness of, of the womb of Sarah. Neither his old age. But he was strong. Bringing glory to God. Because when Logos is in you, Sarah. Even if they tell you you're going to have child and you're laughing. You're not laughing in unbelief. No. Let them wait for you when you produce. They'll realize he was called Isaac because he laughs. That was the day he entered you. When they said, Sarah, you're going to have to... (laughs) She wasn't laughing because of unbelief. No. She was laughing because Isaac entered. It was the results of conception. You're too late to unbelief. You're, You're too late. Tell him your neighbor. Tell him, tell him, tell him. Shake another neighbor and tell him you're too late to unbelief. You're full of faith. Tell your neighbor you're full of faith. You're bringing glory to God. Because you carry logos. Oh my, I 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 carry logos. And that's why the first time Rema comes in the book of John, he says, he that is from God speaks the Rema of God. And to him, the Bible says, the Lord giveth an anointing. Listen, the anointing on your life can't be measured. It can't be measured in a cup. It can't be put in a basin. It's not even in a tanker. For he whom God, are you sent of God? Answer me, are you sent of God? He says, for he whom God has sent, speaketh the words of, for God giveth him not the spirit. I measure. That is why miracles are going to start accidentally. Because Logos is in you. You will say one thing and another starts to happen. Because even if you unbelieve, you're too late to unbelieve. You believed on him who believes. And he's now inside you. And now Paul says, I'm dead. Yet I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And he says, and the now the life that I live. He says, I live by the faith, not in the son. Hey, not in the son. He says, I live by the faith of the son of God. Who gave himself for me. That means when Jesus is in me. He's the one believing. He's the one believing. Do you know you're too late not to have a miracle? Because it's not your faith. Jesus is Logos. And he's inside you. So one time somebody asked me, what was that thing that Mary received at the feet of Jesus? She received Logos. She received Logos. Now you carry Logos. You carry Logos. You carry Logos. 
How can your marriage fail? You carry logos. How can your business fail? You carry logos. How can your ministry fail? How can your body fail? How can cancer eat you up? How can HIV kill you? You carry logos. Your system had not died. Your ministry had not failed. Your marriage had not gone. I wish I know who I'm, you know. I wish I get somebody who understands what I'm saying. Everything that I speak now is hemmed in logos. So Rema is automatically coming out. Because the fullness of him that filleth all things and in whom all things consist is now the very testimony of the mystery which was hid from the ages past and now revealed and that is logos in you. The hope of glory. Everywhere you are, whether there is a sick person or whether there is a troubled, diseased person, whether they are dead or they are lame or crippled, you carry the answer. By reason of the word of God. By reason of the word of God. How can you fail? Ask your neighbor, how can you fail? How can you fail? Who has understood the message? I want you to open your mouth and... Somebody speak in other tongues. Speak in other tongues. Speak in other tongues. Speak in other tongues. Lord, I thank you for the miraculous. Receive it right now. Receive it right now. Receive it right now. Come on, somebody speak in tongues. Speak in other tongues. Speak in other tongues. Speak in other tongues. Just take it. If you don't have tongues, just open your mouth. They're coming right now. Release Rema. Release Rema in your ministry. Release Rema in your marriage. Release Rema in your body. Release Rema in your mind. Depression leaves. Open oh, let's see. Somebody speaking out of tongues. Changing me, I'm changing you. 
after me say Lord Jesus I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are the Lord of my life and that you died and rose again and you're my savior and I'm born again Amen The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International For more information contact us on telephone number 041 466 4291 or email us at at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.